Yeah, everybody say Nehemiah. The word of the Lord this weekend is focus. Everybody say focus. Focus is the new superpower. Focus is the new superpower. If you got a Bible, go to Nehemiah chapter 6. Yes. And I love that the Bible teaches us practical principles in our life that apply to everything we do, whether it's marriage, family, single life season, school, being a student in school, or working at a job. When I look at the story of Nehemiah, it's so practical and it's so powerful because he was an ordinary man that didn't really possess any superpowers, and yet he had an extraordinary focus on a specific project, and this focus created a whole lot of fruit, not just in his life, but in the entire nation of Israel. And I want to just encourage you today, you may not feel like you have a whole lot of gifts or talents or skills. You may not feel like you can do everything someone else can do. But if you can focus, which is something all of us can do, if you can focus on one thing, one project, one specific area that God has called you to focus on, you can see fruit, not just in your life, but in generations to come. And we see this through the story of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies. These enemies, they were like barking dogs. How many of y'all were here last week? I talked about the barking dogs. Go, give, give me a little barking. Roof, roof. Who let the dogs out? Yeah, there it is right there. When the barking dogs showed up, my dad used to say the dogs may bark, but the train keeps rolling. Somebody say, choo-choo. All right, there we go. You can stop. <laughs> Nehemiah was writing this in his journal. He said, when the, when the enemy showed up, they started taunting us, and they heard that we were rebuilding the wall in record time, and there was no gaps left. Though up to that time, I had not set the doors and the gates. So we were this close to the finish line. Nehemiah said, we were so close to being done when Sanballat and Geshem, who had been giving us a hard time the whole project, showed up one last time to try to stop the work. This time, he says, they came to me with the message, come and let us meet together in the land of Ono. Everybody say, oh no. Say, no, no to the oh no. When I first read this passage many years ago, I remember just thinking, what, a, what an ambush, what a trap, what a setup, and how funny it is that the place was called Oh No. And I remember just underlining that. And I was thinking about how many times I've been invited to the Oh No. How many of y'all have been tempted into the Oh No at, at some point in your life? All right, 10 of us in the room have walked through humanity. The rest of y'all are perfect and all. Listen, if Jesus was tempted, it's okay to admit. Anyone ever been tempted by the land of Oh No? Something you know you shouldn't have done, right? Something you're like, the Krispy Kreme donuts were calling my name, and I was on a fast, but I pulled over. The red light was beeping, and oh, no. Everybody say, oh, no. All right, so Nehemiah was hearing this invitation to leave the wall. I remember growing up hearing my mom sing that song. Don't come down off the wall. Bum, 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 ba-dum. And um, how many of y'all love Pastor Sharon when she sings that song? But the whole point of the song and the whole point of this moment was don't come down from the thing God's called you to do just because there's some barking dogs, just because there's some distractions trying to pull you away. And, and Nehemiah could see right through the distraction. He says, I knew they were scheming to harm me. I knew 
that they were trying to, I could discern they were trying to pull me away so that they could cause great danger. There's distractions that are harmless, and then there's distractions that are deadly and dangerous. Nonetheless, every distraction is sent to try to pull you off of the thing God's called you to do. And I love Nehemiah's response. He says this, I sent a message back to them. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Say that with me. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Let's say it one more time. I am doing and I cannot come down. And then he follows it up with this. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? That's kind of a diss right there. Nehemiah was saying, you are not worth my time, my energy. You are not worth my focus right now. You are not worth forfeiting this great cause I'm a part of to come and spend time listening to you. And after that, they kept on asking. It says in verse four, four more times, they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Say it with me one more time. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. Let us leave with greater focus so that we can experience greater fruit in our lives, God, in the areas that you've called us to be focused on. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Marcus. We'll call you back in just a little bit. So this past week, I went to go play pickleball with a group of guys from Church on the Move, and they had called me and said, hey, would you come and play with us? I said, is this like friendly church competition, victory versus Church on the Move? They were like, yeah, yeah, bring your A game. Let's see which church is going to win. I was like, all right, it's on. Let's go. I just started playing pickleball a couple months ago. I didn't know what this sport was, but when we invited John Bevere to come preach here, which by the way, he's coming back to Victory Conference this upcoming year, January. But when he came, he brought a paddle with him and he said, Paul, I want you to learn this game. I want you to, uh, on your off day, I want you to play this game and it'll make you live longer. You'll be healthier. You'll be happier. Just play some pickleball. I said, okay, if John Bevere says so, I'll do it. So I've started to play every now and then. And um, the word had gotten to these guys that, that I played. So they were like, why don't you come play with us? So I go to play. Well, I went after we laid all five kids down. We got five kids. Bedtime is intense. And we had to lay them all down. You know, I get them down, Ashley and I together. It's teamwork. We get them all down around 8.30. I go to play this pickleball game with these guys at 9. We played till midnight. It was three hours long. The first hour, I'm distracted. I am seeing butterflies. I'm seeing uh, mosquitoes. I'm listening. Like, we're outside. I'm listening. I think I hear a deer out in the forest. I'm checking my phone. I'm missing every shot. I'm distracted. And what I realized is that distracted pickleball players are ineffective pickleball players. <laughs> and you're like, duh. But that's true. That principle is not just true for pickleball. It's true for everything in life. Distracted basketball players are ineffective basketball players. Distracted football players are ineffective football players. Distracted coaches are ineffective coaches. Distracted teachers, distracted students, distracted husbands, distracted fathers, distracted mothers are ineffective where God has called them to be. And you might go, well, that's mean. I don't like that. You don't have to like it. It's a principle. I don't like it either. I wish it wasn't true. I wish that we could be so effective in a distracted state, but we can't. 
No matter how distracted I am and, and my intentions are good, I still can't be effective until I get focused. Everybody say, get focused. So for me, I need some help, Pastor Ty. This is how I get focused. I wear a headband. My headband is my, it is my external factor to say I am getting focused. Yeah. Y'all are like, this looks ridiculous, Pastor Paul. I know. But right here, I am like Danielson on The Karate Kid. I feel focused. And those guys, they were making fun of me. They were like, Paul, you are so distracted. And, and I realized I wasn't representing victory well. I was like, victory needs to win this game. We need to show them what's up. So all of a sudden, I locked in. I got the headband. I got the serious Paul. I got the focused Paul going. And when I went out there, I started hitting every shot. I started, I, I had my spidey senses. I could see the ball slowing down, even though it was going fast. I could feel everything. I was winning. And guys, victory won the pickleball match. All right. It's just a game. It's not just a game. In Nehemiah's case, the nation of Israel needed a focused leader. They needed a leader who was focused on them and focused on the mission to restore and rebuild what the enemy had stolen. Focus is our greatest currency right now in the world. Someone once said, if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. You gotta pick one. You gotta focus on one project at a time, one relationship at a time. And the quickest way to stop a great work is to stop a great leader from being focused to distract a husband, to distract a father, to distract a student, to distract a couple from what, they spo what they're supposed to be focused on. Why? Because distracted people are ineffective people. Right now, we're seeing in our world more and more people are obsessed and addicted to their phones. The average phone user touches their smartphone 2,617 times a day. That's the average user, 2,600 times a day. A heavy smartphone user touches their phone 5,427 times. That's twice the amount that they're touching their phone, going to their phone. And you go, well, it's not a big deal, Paul. I've got, you know, I've got like 80 apps open, but I'm getting a lot done. I'm multitasking. I'm... But we're distracted. And the enemy knows he doesn't have to defeat us if he can distract us. He doesn't have to destroy us if he can distract us. Because then we're just physically showing up, but mentally we're other places. We're emotionally checked out. Focus is our greatest currency. The top 10 currencies in the world today, number one is the Kuwait dollar. Number nine is the American dollar, then the Canadian dollar, then the Australian dollar. And, and money uh, currencies are constantly changing, but there is a currency that is unchangeable. It is the currency of focus. Churches have been built by this currency. Hospitals have been built. Nations have been built. Marriages have been established by this currency, but divorces have happened too with the lack of this currency. Wars have been started and wars have been ended. It is the strongest currency in the world, the currency of focus. Focus is the currency of achievement. If you're going to achieve anything, you've gotta be focused. Focused. I've seen people with no money at all, no background at all, no, like not even a ton of skill, but because they had extreme focus, they accomplished so much. You don't have to be this person with all these superpowers to accomplish great things for God. You just gotta be focused. Everybody say, get focused. 
So Nehemiah chapter six, this is not the first time he's been distracted. In fact, from the very beginning, when Nehemiah got the vision from God, immediately distractions started coming. One after another, these distractions would come in different ways. People would try to pull him away from the vision, the purpose of God. And yet he would say the same thing over. In verse four, it says, four more times they sent me the same message, saying, come and let us meet on the plain of Ono. And he said, the same message required the same response. I continued to say, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And they didn't stop after that. The distractions keep on coming. There's four things that we should consider when distractions come into our life. Number one, consider the source. Consider the source. Does this person or this situation have any weight or value for you to give all this energy in your mind to? Some of us are renting out our mental space to tenants that have no authority in our life. And we need to serve an eviction notice. Don't let anything or anyone that doesn't add value to your life take up that much space in your brain. If it's pulling you into a state of constant anxiety and worry and fear and anger and a distracted state, it's time to serve a notice. Consider the source. Proverbs 12 verse 6 says, the words of the wicked are a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. Nehemiah understood that the words coming from Tobiah and Sanballat and the enemies that were coming after him, they were only trying to trap him. They were only trying to pull him away. My dad used to say this, Paul, is the voices you're listening to and the words you're believing and the thoughts you're thinking, are they helpful for your future? Are they invested in the call of God on your life? Don't give, don't delegate the authority of someone else to determine who you are in Christ. Because I would come home and I'd say, dad, so-and-so said this about me and so-and-so was making fun of our church and so-and-so was making fun. And he said, consider the source. I said, what do you mean? He said, Paul, they're 13 years old. They're going through their own insecurity. They're still not hitting puberty yet. And you're giving them all the authority to determine the value of Victory Church? I don't think so, Paul. The dogs may bark, but the train keeps rolling. My dad wasn't calling someone a dog, but he was saying there are barks that come in your mind that try to pull you away from feeling valuable, feeling like you have a call of God on your life. If someone didn't make you, don't let them break you. If someone didn't create you, don't let them stop you from being who God's called you to be. Last night, I was wearing a t-shirt while I was preaching this sermon <laughs> here on our Saturday night service, and my t-shirt is a new shirt I got. Um, it's got all these animals on it. I love it. I'm a, I'm a big nature guy, and it had a bear. It had an owl. It had an eagle. It had a wolf. It had coyotes. It had a buck. It had a rabbit. It had birds. And this guy comes up to me after the service. He said, dude, I drove here from Kansas City to hear you preach. I go, for real? He goes, I love you, man. I was like, thank you. He's like, I got the same haircut as you, bro. I was like, mullets for Christ, the mullet ministry. And he said, dude, that message spoke to me, bro. He said some funny things too. He's like, you kicked, he said a cuss word, for the, for the Lord tonight, man. It was a blank of a sermon, blank of a sermon, man. I was like, oh, praise God. I don't know what to say right now. And uh, I'm just glad we're reaching all kinds of people that are coming to victory. And, uh, but today I made sure to wear a non-distracting shirt. And then he said this, uh, he goes, the only thing during your sermon is that I was distracted by your t-shirt because there was all kinds of animals that were like looking at me. Like you had an owl over here and a buck. And <laughs> he's like, 
can you not wear a distracting shirt like that? He's like, but I want to get that shirt. Where'd you get that, Branson? I was like, nah, maybe, I don't know. Anyways, consider the source. Somebody say, consider the source. Number two, consider the content. Is what they're saying constructive or helpful for your life? Is it worth your attention? Nehemiah understood that the things these people said, it wasn't even good for his own mind or heart to dwell on. So he would have to dismiss the content. He would say, this is not worth my energy. This is keeping me up at night. Is this constructive for my character? If it's not, then I need to say goodbye. I need to serve an eviction notice. Is it inspiring? Is it helpful? Is it good for me? Number three, consider the reason. Consider the reason. Why is this distraction coming? And sometimes the distraction is not necessarily what a person says or a text message. It could be that you're reading your Bible and all of a sudden your phone starts blowing up and text message and it's good people and they're not trying to attack you, but because you are in a distracted state, you're missing out on time with God. And so you leave from reading the Bible and you go do other things, you do other chores, or maybe you're working on a project that you and your spouse or you and your family, you've all agreed this is the most important project to focus on, but then 10 other projects start distracting you from that. And you're like, we'll get back to that. Next thing you know, it's the end of 2023 and no projects have been finished. Let's just say God gives you one arrow and you have five targets. You can't hit all five targets. You gotta focus on one target at a time. You hit that target, you take that arrow, then you hit the next target. But if I am distracted, I'm not accomplishing anything. By the way, great vision always brings great opposition. No leader is exempt from criticism and no believer is exempt from trouble. Whatever the the opposition or the distraction or the criticism or whatever it is, it's a part of making progress in your life. Where there's no progress, there's no problems. But when you make progress, when you have a purpose, you're going to face problems. And listen, one thing I heard when I was stepping into ministry is someone said this, the the greater the impact, the greater the adversity. The anointing attracts attacks from the enemy. You've got to be willing to face those attacks if you're going to do anything for God. If you don't want to experience any criticism, don't do anything, don't say anything, don't try anything. But if you're willing to take the heat then step into your purpose. Put on your headband, lock into the game, get the eye of the tiger, get your focus back. This last week, this message is near and dear to my heart because two weeks ago, um, someone made some threats against my family and um, was harassing us. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I didn't tell anyone because we were like, what do we do with this? So we were talking to a police officer and he was like, hey, this is wrong. And what they're doing to you is totally wrong. And, uh, you know, you could press charges. But I was like, well, I, I don't know what to do here. And so then this person wasn't just harassing us, but they were harassing other people too. And it was keeping me up at night. Here we were putting our kids back in school. I'm preaching on Nehemiah. This is in the last 14 days. This isn't 10 years ago. This is in the last two weeks. And I could feel the enemy trying to pull me away from my purpose. I was trying to spend time with my kids, but I couldn't stop thinking about this person. And, and this was, uh, they were trying to mess with us, mess with our family, mentioning our kids' names. And I was getting very anxious. At nighttime, I couldn't sleep. I was staying awake and I was checking the doors and I was looking out the window and I was overwhelmed. And then we began to pray. Ashton and I just took authority as we begin to pray. And we talked to the police officers. Thankfully, this person has been apprehended. They're no longer harassing us or anyone else. And we pray for God's help in their life. They're going to get some help. 
But I say that to say this message is a message I'm not just preaching about. It's a message I'm living out. Distractions will come. Distractions will come in many different ways. And here's the fourth thing to consider. Consider your response. I can't stop distractions from coming into my life, but I can determine how I respond to distractions. Right? Because like I was sitting in Mr. Art Page's class. I was a sophomore in high school and I remember sitting down, he was teaching math and I sat right next to the window, which is not a good place for a person that's easily distracted. But there was three big windows, 30 kids in the class. Mr. Page is teaching on math, but I'm looking at butterflies outside and I'm seeing airplanes fly and helicopters. And then all of a sudden, I've been watching a lot of Chuck Norris movies back then, The Three Ninjas, Sidekick, I've been watching Karate Kid. So I start imagining like what I would do if there was terrorists that tried to attack the school. So I'm like, I'm gonna bust through the window with a desk right here, I'm gonna tie everybody's shirts in a rope and then we're gonna come down, then I'm gonna karate chop people, you know, I'm like imagining these things for 30 minutes, I'm in La La Land. And Mr. Page comes up to my desk, he goes, Hey, sunshine. And I come back to him. I was like, you talking to me? He goes, yeah, sunshine. I'm talking to you. He goes, what's going on out there? I go, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. (laughs) He's like, what about up here? I was like, there's a lot of stuff going on up here. He's like, why don't you tune in, Tokyo? I was like, okay. He's like, it's test time. I go, test time? He goes, yeah, it's a pop test. He's like, this is for all the people who haven't been listening. See, distractions are funny for a second until the test is given. And you're like, oh snap, I should have been paying attention. And I failed that test. I had to go to Saturday school for the next couple of Saturdays. I had to make it up for Mr. Page. I missed missed content I should have been paying attention to. And I'm telling you, a distracted student is an ineffective student. A distracted believer is an ineffective believer. A distracted father is ineffective. If the enemy can distract us from who matters most. I was on a date night with Ashley, and we were sitting in a restaurant, and over in the corner was a beautiful Dallas Cowboys NFL game going on. And Ashley is sharing her heart with me. She's pouring it out, talking to me. And I got one eye just popping over there, but I've given her this eye. So I'm like, I'm a little cockeyed. And I was like, man, I'm so sorry. Yes! She was like, what What did you scream for? I was like, you are awesome, Dallas, Ashley, Cowboys. And she was like, I'm done talking right now. The date night was not that great. Because <laughs> I was distracted. And a distracted spouse, I'm telling you right now, this message could save your marriage. This message could save your life. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I, I asked our team to hand me a stool because I went to a circus not too long ago with our kids, and they actually had live lions that came out in the circus. We were sitting on the front row. These massive lions, these huge beasts, come out in the front where they're in this circle, and there's two or three lions, and there's one guy in there with the stool. And I thought it was the funniest thing. I was like, this guy's going to get eaten. Like, you know, I'm not laughing, but I was like, this is not going to help this man. He's holding the stool, and I was like, how in the world is a stool going to stop 
two or three lions. And these were huge lions, like not little cubs, but big lions. And I was nervous. I was like, somebody give that man a gun. Give him some more weapons. Help him. But then I watched as he did something. Anytime the lions got too close to him, he would lift up the stool and he would begin to turn it. And he would turn it different ways. And I, I asked someone next to me, I said, what is he doing? And they said, oh, what, what a stool does is it has four points. The lion tries to focus on one point, but when he turns it, the lion gets distracted by the other point. And because he can't focus on all four points, the lion becomes weak, tamed, and paralyzed. He loses his strength because he can't focus. And I sat there and I thought, the righteous are as bold as a lion until they're distracted. The Bible says we are called to rule and reign in life. Nehemiah could have lost the cause of Israel had he listened to the distracting voices that were trying to pull him off the wall. And I'm telling you, some of you right now, you are a lion. You are Mufasa. You are Simba. You have a calling. You are Nala. You, ha you have a great destiny on your life. But the enemy knows it. So here's what he does. He says, I'm going to tame these believers. I'm going to paralyze these believers. I'm going to send them tweets. I'm going to get them going down conspiracy threads on Facebook. I'm going to get them so distracted by petty offenses at church. I'm going to plant rumors among their friends to get them divided, distracted, and ineffective. Because a distracted believer is an ineffective believer. So how do I respond to the distractions? I want to give you a couple ways that Nehemiah responded to the distractions. Number one, he responded with a focus on prayer and a reliance upon God. Every time the distractions came, he would seek the Lord. He would seek the Lord. In verse five, there was another distraction. Verse six, another distraction. Verse seven. And then he says this in verse nine, Nehemiah chapter six. He says, they were trying to intimidate me, thinking my hands and the hands of Israel will get too weak to work on the wall. And we will not complete the project God has called us to complete. But I prayed. But I prayed. Oh God, strengthen my hands. Can I tell you something? Prayer produces power. Private prayer produces public power. Before you came in this room today, this week I was walking through the rows. When the enemy was sending intimidating threats trying to harass me, I was praying over these chairs. This is my wall. This, this is where God's called me to be, and I'm not coming down. I'm doing a great work, and I will not come down. Here's what prayer does. Prayer helps me focus on who and what really matters. Ashley grabbed my hand the other night. She said, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's bind this attack of the enemy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Any tongue that rises against you stands condemned. Where is the spirit-filled praying church in America today? It's right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have not lost the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
in a world right now that's afraid to come across too weird in the church. We're going to be that church that keeps on praying in the spirit and in our known language. There's power in prayer. If the camera person could just get blurry for a second, just make the screen kind of blurry because this is what happens. When we get distracted, we can't see things right. And, and as you're looking at that screen, it's, it's blurry. It's losing its focus. It's not clear. You can't make the picture out right. This is what the enemy does when he distracts us. He gets us blurry. He gets our vision blurry. That's what the lion struggles with when he's trying to focus on all these different things. He's distracted. He's got blurry vision. Just keep it blurry for a little bit. Y'all are like, that is hard to look at, Paul. But in reality, that's how some of our spiritual eyes look right now. We are distracted by so many things, Martha. We are worried about so many things. Mary found one thing to focus on, Jesus. Nehemiah found that one thing he was supposed to focus on, prayer, so he could get direction from God on what to do. And when I pray, it begins to bring clarity back. My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who've sinned against me. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. By the way, our prayer, Paul the Apostle said, when you're anxious about anything, if there's anything that's keeping you up at night, if there's anything that's stealing your focus at work, or you're supposed to be working on your family right now, you're supposed to be focused on your marriage right now, you're supposed to be focused on breaking a bad habit in your life right now, and you've forgotten about it, if there's anything that's distracting you from what matters most, Paul says, bring it to the Lord as a petition, a supplication, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Set your minds on things above, how? Through prayer. Prayer helps me get my focus back. Prayer helps me go, hold up, I'm supposed to be focusing my time right now on Liam, Benny, Mac, Ellie, Gianna, and Ashley, and Victory Church. I am not supposed to be wasting my energy on rabbit trails on Facebook or harassment calls from some distracting voice over here. I've got too big of a call, a cause from God to, to be distracted by other voices. So Nehemiah said, why should I leave the wall to go over here when I am called to this place and these people right here, you need to remind the devil, I am doing a great work and I will not come down. You need to remind the distracting voices that are trying to rip apart your marriage, I am doing a great work. Keep a picture of your spouse at work on the desk. Keep a picture of your kids at work on the desk. Keep a picture of your future at work on your desk. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Number two, focus on persistence in your divine work. I want the band to come out. Persistence, persistence is the ultimate gauge of our leadership. It's not how talented you are, it's can you stick through it? Can you stick to it? If the dogs are barking, are you gonna stop the train or are you gonna keep moving? The key to beating your opposition is to outlast your critics, is to outlast the lies, the rumors. Sometimes you can't stop a rumor from, from starting, but if you'll live long enough, the truth wins out. Just don't stop. Focus on persistence. 
What is the divine work God's called you to focus on? While I'm on this point, I want to give you nine different distractions that Nehemiah faced. And you don't have to write these down. You can look at it later. Or we'll put it on online. But if you read Nehemiah, just chapters four through six, two chapters, he faces nine different distractions. Number one, he faces ridicule from people inside and outside. He faces resistance from people inside and outside. People don't want to build this even on his own team. He faces rumors. They started vicious rumors about Nehemiah. They said that he was, you know, twisted. They were trying to manipulate him. They were trying to um, make him look like he was a bad guy, all kinds of stuff, and that he was stealing people's money. And then, they, they, then discouragement. He faced the distraction of discouragement. They tried to weigh him down saying, you're not doing a good enough job. You're not working hard enough. You're not helping everybody. Then it was division, division that came at him. Last week, I talked about the movie, Remember the Titans, and I mentioned to y'all it's homework. Now, I don't think any of y'all really did the homework. Maybe some of you did, but I did. And I watched it with my boys, and they really wanted to watch it. They said, Dad, you mentioned homework last week in church. Remember the Titans. I was like, that's right. They said, we got to do our homework. I said, okay. So we sit down, we're watching it, and we're watching as Coach Boone has to take this team that's very um, divided, and there's all kinds of prejudice and offenses and wounds and hurts and they don't get along with each other, but he begins to build this team and, you know, takes them in the movie to the place where the Gettysburg Address was given. And he talks about how if we don't come together, we're going we're gonna to kill each other the way these men killed each other hundreds of years ago right here on this field. And the boys wanted me to pause the movie. And they were like, is that true? And I said, yeah. And they said, so people were killing each other? because they didn't get along with each other in our country, in America? I said, yeah. And they said, why? I said, it's the devil. The devil stirs up this spirit of division. The devil stirs up a spirit of prejudice. The devil stirs up, it's demonic. And when humans accept it, believe it, what caused Hitler to commit the, the Holocaust? It was a demonic, oppressive spirit on his mind. It was a distraction. For, I believe God had a calling on his life but he forfeited it when he began to believe the lies of the enemy. I believe God has a calling on your life, on my life, on any of our lives. But I also believe the enemy puts a target on you and he sees there's a calling of God on your life, so he's gonna distract you. And if we believe the lies of the enemy, it can lead to dangerous, deadly consequences. For Nehemiah, there was distractions of nonstop messages from the enemy. Fake news. They tried to make up stuff that was going on. Fake news was around 3,000 years ago before it hit America now. Fake news. Fear and intimidation tactics. Just trying to intimidate Nehemiah, manipulating him. Disloyal friends. People hired his closest friends to prophesy against him. But Nehemiah stood through every test. Everybody say persist. Focus on persistence in your divine work. The key to beating your opposition is to outlast your critics. The truth will always live longer than a rumor. The truth will always live longer than a lie. The key to beating your opposition is to outlast your critics. Persistence is the ultimate gauge of leadership. To persist, the dogs may bark, but the train keeps rolling. Don't stop, don't stop. I was talking with Pastor Matthew Barnett, who pastors the LA Dream Center. And I, I got to go and preach for him a couple years ago in 2020 during COVID. 
And I said, Pastor Matthew, I said, how have you guys continued with such crazy situations going on in California right now with so much opposition? Here you are, 20 plus years you've been in LA. He's been there since the mid 90s. He said, Paul, I moved here when I was 19 years old. The only person who believed in the dream was my dad, Tommy Barnett. He said, everybody told us you won't make it. You're too young, Matt. You're moving into a neighborhood where you're the only white kid there. No one's gonna listen to you. You won't make a difference. If you get started, it'll stop in less than a year. Besides the drug dealers, the pimps, they own that street. You won't be able to get anything done. They, they own, they have authority over that whole area. You won't make a difference at all. He said, no one believed that we could do it, but here we are 25 years later and we've now saved drug dealers. We've saved the pimps, the prostitutes. They're all on staff now. We got, <laughs> he began to go through it. And just two weeks ago, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, showed up to the LA Dream Center to help fund the next floor that they're building on the 13th floor of their hospital. Here's what I'm saying. He, he told me this. He said, I knew in my heart it can be done, but it's going to be so hard and so painful. But if I'm willing to persist, if I can outlast the bars, if I can outlast the drug dealers, if I can outlast the criticism, then we can make it. And my encouragement for someone in the room is to outlast what the enemy is telling you can't be done to just stick with it. Number three, focus on the victory. Focus on the victory. Focus on refusing to quit. Focus on refusing to quit. What is your wall? Who is your Israel? For Nehemiah, he knew he could not stop until it was done. He had the vision inside him. He knew he was called to finish. He knew he was called to do what he was there to do. And he wasn't going to let anyone stop him or distract him. I was telling my boys about when I, I, I would play baseball or, or basketball, I would reflect back on this old movie we watched as kids called Angels in the Outfield. And a moment where, you know, they were discouraged, they were overwhelmed, but they would pray. This little boy would pray and angels would come and strengthen. Come on, you guys remember Angels in the Outfield? Got any angels in the room today? Flap your wings. Come on. I see some angels in the church today. But I want to encourage you today that God has sent angels to help you. God sent angels to help Nehemiah. God sent extra strength to their team. And I want you to stand to your feet today because all of us have a wall. All of us have a call of God. All of us have something we're to put our energy and our focus towards. For parents in the room, your children, my children, Ashley and I, we're called to build these kids up in a world where there's so much confusion and hatred and there's so much uh, just people are lost. We got to help give them a, a compass through God's word. For others, in the, uh, uh, others of you in the room, you're trying to conquer an addiction, a bad habit. Don't come down from the wall. I was talking to a guy last night and he said, he came up to me after church. He goes, I've been sober for 19 months. He said, I was in a really bad place. He said, I drank all day, every day. I lost everything because alcohol ripped apart everything that I loved. I was so broken and addicted. I was, I was the strongest alcoholic you would have known. He said, and I came across your messages. Someone sent me one of your messages. 
He said, I don't even live here. I drove here hours just to come tonight to meet you, to tell you that God's speaking through you. And he said, don't you come down from the wall because there's addicts like me that are getting free from the messages at Victory. I said, thank you, brother. He's like, you keep kicking blank for Jesus, man. (laughs) But as he was talking to me, he was saying, it's so hard for people to break free of their addictions. They get so discouraged in the process and and they relapse and and they get distracted. He said, this message tonight is for people that need to break free of some stuff too. I want you to think about this message in so many different ways, but whatever it is right now that God's calling you to focus on, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it is school right now, maybe maybe it is a bad habit you need to break, maybe it's some disciplines you need to start. Maybe Bible reading needs to become a focus for you again, or prayer. Or maybe you're here right now and you have been battling distractions. You've been trying to build the wall. You're like Nehemiah. You're like, man, I'm there. I'm I'm, I'm working hard on what God's called me to work on, but I've been facing so many distractions lately. Some distractions may be really bad or some of them might be good, but you just feel distracted. You've been in a distracted state. And I want us just to close our eyes right now because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to sharpen our focus. It's like God's handed you a a nice old camera, but it's out of focus and, and the Holy Spirit's coming beside you and he's showing you how to fix the lens so you can see clearly, so you can know exactly what matters the most right now, where your attention should be the strongest. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you need to get your focus back, If the devil has been distracting you, just tormenting you, messing with you, just pulling your attention off of what it needs to be on, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for just a supernatural focus in your life. If that's you, if you need to get your focus back, I want you to raise your hand all over this room. Yeah, hands going up from the front to the back. Yeah, distractions have just been coming at you often lately, and it has been hard to stay focused. Secondly, you're here today and you say, I need to get right with God. I need to repent and surrender to Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. Today is your day for salvation, for his forgiveness, for his restoration. If you're saying, I need to get right with Jesus, you raise your hand. I want to pray for you, whether you raised your hand for the message or for salvation. Would you leave your seat? Come and join me at this altar. And we're going to cheer on brave men, brave women, boys and girls, moms and dads, grandparents, singles. Married couples, whatever season of life you're in, if you're divorced and you're just saying, man, I need to get my focus back. I have been so distracted lately. The enemy has been messing with my focus. You come down to the altar today and we're going to worship the Lord and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit right now to begin to fix our focus on what matters most, on who matters most. Go ahead, Israel. Let's just begin to worship God all over this place this morning. Oh, we praise you. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are a child of God. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I am a child of God. I am a child of God.
washed by the blood of Jesus. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. No more chains in my past. Oh. And I am surrounded. You're surrounded. By the arms of the Father, and I am surrounded by songs of deliverance. I am surrounded, and I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. By the arms of the Father And I am surrounded By songs of deliverance We Saul lost his kingdom because he was distracted by comparison. He was distracted by what someone else was getting to do that he wasn't getting to do. There's all kinds of distractions. It could be comparison. It could be offense. The son of King David, his name was Absalom. He got distracted by offense towards his own dad and it derailed his life. For some, they're distracted by shame. Looking back at their past, "Ah, I should have done something better back then. Paul the Apostle, he said, one thing I focus on, one thing, Philippians 3, 13, there's one thing I focus on. I'm not looking back. I'm moving forward. I'm pressing on towards the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ on my life. If you have a past, welcome to the church. Every saint was once a sinner and every sinner has the potential to be a great saint. Every believer in the room has a past. But by the mercy and the grace of God, we move forward towards the future calling of Christ on our lives. 
But I want to encourage you, whatever's distracting you, whether it's comparison or shame or hurt or fence or fear of what people think or what people could do or what the enemy has said, maybe you're distracted by just lack what the, the enemy says, you don't have enough, you'll never have enough, but God's given you a dream to chase after, maybe it's school. We were talking with the family this last week. They said, you know, God called us to put our kids at Victor Christian School, but we didn't have the money for it. Just like that testimony it was another family. They said, we decided this was the wall. We were going to keep on moving forward. And we were working hard, taking extra jobs, doing different things. And, and the last day, we still lacked quite a bit. Lack was staring us in the face, telling us, you can't do this. This will never happen. Your kids won't go to victory. And they said, the day before school started, God ended up supplying all they needed for their kids to go back to Victor Christian School. Don't let lack distract you. Don't let the fear of man distract you. Don't let the shame of your past distract you. Don't let what other, the comparison trap distract you. Whatever it is that's messing with you. Just say this with me. I am a child of God. I belong to Jesus. I repent of my sins and I receive his forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for me on the cross and he rose from the grave. You are my Lord and Savior, Jesus. And I belong to you. Holy Spirit, fix my focus on what matters most. Jesus, Help me to focus on what matters most. I rebuke the devil and every distraction that's been robbing me of sleep, of purpose, of energy, of my time. I give my life to Jesus. I belong to you, Lord. I'm a child of God and my future is in your hands. So Lord, help me to focus on what matters most, on who matters most. I'm all yours, God. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name.